It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there, my name is Miles Jupp and I'm just interrupting you as you listen to whatever it is that you actually want to listen to to tell you about the second series of Middle Please Umpire. Middle Please Umpire is a podcast that I, Miles Jupp, if you weren't concentrating when I first introduced myself only moments ago, that's not a criticism, your thoughts are your own and you must focus them wheresoever you yourself choose, host with Mark Wood, the 95 mile an hour bowling, England playing, World Cup winning, Northumberland hailing cricket lunatic Mark Wood. It's another series of episodes of the two of us talking about cricket and indeed any other stuff that springs to mind, both with each other and also with a succession of frankly illustrious guests. We lift the lid on Mark's life as an international sportsman, basically he spends a lot of time icing himself, and take you on a whistle-stop journey through the windmills of his mind. I, a mere fan, listen agog, giggle excitedly and try and draw comparisons with my own rather more mundane existence. All episodes of Middle Please Umpire are available right now from your favourite podcast providers. Hello and welcome to this very special edition of the Manchester United Redcast. Yes, it's an emergency podcast with me, Chris Curley. And joining me, um, we're very special to have the man who went, quickly, quick, we've got to have a podcast last night. We've got to have a podcast. He even sent a voice note about it. Um, Aaron Paul is with us. And of course, Dan the Man Riley, um, who actually looks like he could be in an episode of The Bill today as some kind of DC detective. Um, Well, we're going to kind of investigate the goings-on of the last 48 hours, which have been incredible in the world of football. Aaron, where do we start? What's your reaction? Have you ever seen anything like it? No, never. I mean, no. I've never seen football Twitter unite. Rivalries disband, like, just just temporarily to, to sort of, to get rid of this toxicity, this cancer. And, and, you know, I spoke to a historian on the radio last night and I said, can you liken it to, like, the fall of Europe? And she goes, absolutely. She goes, this is like the end of, end of the World War where everyone just started caving. Like, it was absolutely... The events of last night will, be, will never be repeated. But I link, it, I link it all back to one thing. And I'll take it back to 2014 when I was applying to do a journalism degree a University of the Arts London, and I was asked 
to do a thousand words on something sport-based, something easy, something light. Keep it simple, nothing extraordinary, nothing controversial. And I thought, right, I can go about this two ways. I can either be bland as fuck and do like a, you know, a, a match report on Swindon versus Accrington, or I can write something hard here. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to write something hard here. And I think my article that I wrote seven, eight years ago is, is, is proven yesterday. My article's headlined, Why Real Madrid are the cancer of football? Because Florentino Perez is cancer. The man is a parasite. He should be hung. He's an absolute disgrace. Even looking at him makes me feel sick, yeah? He he belongs in an Indian drama on a channel that no one <laughs> fucking knows about. The guy's a disgrace. Joel Glazer is a disgrace. John W. Henry, we've seen him scrambling this morning. The little yank. <laughs> well, we'll come on to the hostage video, which to me felt like <laughs> he was also trying to sell funeral insurance. Absolutely. It was like, <laughs> which he might be for his own future at Liverpool. But don't you think he looks like Sammy Lee? Just like. Well, well like very... Sammy Lee, who's gone on the, you know, slim fast diet. It's like. Well, so, so just an ill Sammy Lee, basically. He just looks a bit ill, doesn't he? I mean, like. But, you know, he's he's had to come out and do that because he's shitting himself that Klopp's going to walk, considering the Bayern Munich job's coming up, the Germany job's coming up, the Real Madrid job's probably coming up, the Barcelona job's probably coming up. Tottenham, well, no Well, argu- arguably, you know, the, the announcement cost them two points and jeopardy their top four place. There you go. You know, you know with the draw against Leeds on Monday night. Dan, yesterday, it seemed to, like, be a whole cascade of information. And for me... Pep Guardiola had his press conference at lunchtime where he said, well, he was asked for his initial opinion, Dan, and said, um, "Sport, it's not sport without merit or reward, which was like as close as you go coming out going, this is terrible. And like Klopp on Monday night, um, kind of maintaining his views of what we always know about Super League, what we talked in the last podcast, Pep started this thing that kind of rolled on in, into the rest of Monday night, uh, last night rather, which then, which then got to Chelsea and the Chelsea fans outside Stamford Bridge, which took Peter Cech, their legendary goalkeeper, to come outside without wearing his skull cap, which I thought was dangerous, right, <laughs> for his own safety, to tell them all to go home and saying we're dealing with we're dealing it. And between half past six and eight o'clock, it was a domino effect of Chelsea pulling out. Um, you, Juve not in the mix. Rumours about United going on. Um, Arsenal, something. Everything. It was like a domino of one after another coming through. I mean. How can something so big, so fundamental to the future of football, collapse within 48 hours? So I think, I think obviously there was the, the groundswell of opinion. And um, I, I, have a, I have a newfound respect for, for James Corden, actually, after he, he put now, out. Now, now. <laughs> but he did put out, he put out a pretty good thing on his show. And I think, I think it was, it was, it was, it was, it was stuff like that 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 showed you. You know, he he would go on a show where where most of his audience wouldn't even know what he's talking about, but but that showed you just how big this was. That he was prepared to talk about this on on his show. Um, but to come back to the fans and managers, I, I think it was. I don't. I'm not convinced there wasn't something bigger at play here. I I I I personally think. I think the the Premier League said. If you go, you're out, and I and I and I and I, I genuinely think that's the that's the reason because they they wouldn't have cared about what the managers said or what the fans said. Let's face it, because they never do. I 
genuinely think the reason this stopped is someone at the Premier League said, if you go, you're gone and you won't come back. And they realised they can't go out of their domestic league because they can't just play in, because they would have been banned by FIFA, they would have been banned by UEFA, and they would have just been playing in some ridiculous round-robin tournament amongst themselves that no one would have been interested in. So I, I, I do think there was something bigger at play. I, I think it was great the, the, the way everyone I came think, out. Well, I don't think we should give them all too much credit for having these big plans and making these big grand statements. I, I think we never under we all we work in the media and we work in TV. So what we do know is you should never ever underestimate the incompetence of people. <laughs> there was a very there was a very good thread by um, Simon Cooper, a football writer, about how. He'd spoken to Martin Yole a few years ago, and, and Martin Yole had basically said to him, you wouldn't believe how stupid the people are that run football. Essentially, like, most of the people that are, as footballers as professionals, are all very, very good. Then they, a lot of them become administrators, particularly in Europe, and these professional footballers just well, like, aren't worked, any good at doing that. I, I've worked a, in a corporate environment, you know, uh, Aaron, you've worked at the BBC. Dan, you probably have over your you know years been been into those places, right? But my first experience of working at a big corporate environment, relatively recently, these people think and talk differently. They are apprentice candidates. The idiots you see on The Apprentice, right? You think you can't believe people really talk like that and do that. That is corporate culture. I remember being in a meeting and um, a woman, let's call her Penny, said something. And I'm thinking, well, we'd all make fun of that in our world, we'd all make fun of that. No, no, they all thought Penny was a genius. But it was smack bang out of The Apprentice. So I don't think we should underestimate these people. I mean, these people actually had a template if they bothered to look into how to um, bring forward this idea to get people on side. It is very reminiscent of what Kerry Packer was doing in the 70s with one-day cricket and cricketers. But what Kerry Packer did, the first thing he knew he had to do was to win over hearts and minds. So he was out there selling it, telling everybody what he was going to do. Also, why he was going to do it, of course. He said cricketers were being restricted and they weren't being paid properly. And he and he set the ball rolling so much to the effect that World Series was not a massive success, first of all, but it forced the authorities to go, well, that is the future. And the template was there. And these guys decided to send a press release out at 11 o'clock at night on a Sunday with the worst kind of PR plan imaginable and i have to say they talk about the pr plan and uh, and the company that they hired to do the pr and here's where we should be suspicious is a company called in-house communications based in london who are responsible for putting that crappy logo together and the website for uh, which looked like something i could do on keynote and i'm rubbish at keynote right um but their in-house communication um company has done the pr for boris johnson winning the mayor of london right so yesterday has these fan group meetings that's the pr bit i'm all suspicious about the government getting on side with what is a very easy win for them with red what they will see as red wall voters so the whole politics comes into it of the country and these britain and i think brexit whatever you vote on it is a factor in the mentality because this country i've argued about it for five years 40 years that we didn't we want we voted rightly or wrongly to be in charge of our own destiny. And what football was doing, was it being some of the core values to the identity of this country, was being taken away by foreign owners run by Europe. And we just had a big round for five years about all that. 
So the political dynamic of it all created this huge snowball for them, as well as fans outside Chelsea, as well as talk sport radio lines, to go, this collapsed, but what a monumental mess-up if you've got billions of pounds at stake, right, Aaron? That's a lot of information to take in. It is. It's a lot. I've been thinking about it. After a night of celebration, that's a lot of information taken. The, the first thing I want to say is it feels like grand sort of treachery because effectively these guys have planned this. They've sat, they've talked about it. And I was actually thinking about this yesterday. They've obviously planned it. They've had this meeting with JP Morgan where JP Morgan has said, yeah, we're going to whack up four and a half billion pound of capital so you can get this off the ground, X, Y, Z. They've planned this meticulously. And yet people have mobilised, and mobilised seems to be sort of the the word of the day, you know, word of the week is is people should mobilise. People have mobilised over the past two days and they've disbanded this organisation that they've formed and they've taken all this time and all these power meetings and fucking nice suits and posh lunches and stuff, you know, and they, 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 they've basically... I know, but... It's brilliant. It's, I, 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 the people side of it and the fan power side of it obviously is fantastic, but... I'm not sure if they have been meticulous organising this because if they had... Get four and a half billion pound out of JP Morgan, I think you've got to be half decent. That's a different side of things. That's a business side. That's not a meticulous plan of winning over the heart of minds or coming out with a cause or selling your thing. It looked like a land grab, a coup d'etat, a steal of our our national game. When if they'd have come out and said, you know what, Um, UEFA and FIFA, they're crooks and corrupt, aren't they? We need to do something about that. You know the issues of racism, we're going to do something about that in our league. We'll ban people for a year. All these things that the major... If they'd come out and challenge the authorities in those ways, I think they they would have got a hearing. Are you saying saying they went about it the wrong way? I mean, I'm saying it's incredible. It is incredible. Our multi-billion pound pound plan having... got, as you say, the JP Morgan on side and whoever else on side and your corporate lawyers, it is incredible that they that they ran this the way that they've ran it. I mean, it's, it's I found it unbelievable. I, I think, I think what you're, I think, I, I think you're absolutely right, Chris. I think with, with some, with some better thinking, they could have essentially created their own Champions League with, as you say, <clears throat> with a, with a kind of because they do like to take the, the you know they do like to sort of uh, dress things up as oh we're taking the moral high ground how they talked about you know protecting domestic leagues etc. And I think you're you're right if they had if they had sort of been clever and smarter they could have just effectively created a a Champions League. I think they 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 should have realised that there had to be some kind of in and out you know of it. And, I mean that, totally. And if they if they'd had a, if they'd had more of that in there, totally. I don't I don't see how because I can remember going back. You know, lots of people spoke about when the Premier League was announced, and I remember when the Premier League was announced. I, I, I wrote about it as, as my dissertation for my uh, degree. I, I, I wrote and, about European Super Leagues then. Going this well, was yeah because I, I wrote about football. anti-franchise football. Yeah, so go. we all I mean, know it's coming. But the but the thing is there was there was a there was a huge furore against the Premier League then. But the key thing, as everyone has said, is you it was still going to be in and out of the the football league. And I think it was there was still a meta, there was still a meritocracy. Yeah, it was still exactly. on the pitch. There was still and, a sporting integrity. And, and, and I the think the whole plan fell down straight from the get. Whoa, whoa. The <laughs> difference between the Premier League and this is that 
the Premier League wasn't a close shop. There was relegation. Yeah, that's just yeah, that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, flipping Burnley, but Barnsley could get it. But forty, 40 clubs from the EFL, forty clubs now have had an experience in the Premier League. Yeah. You know, we're old enough to remember the eighties when there was hardly any football on television. Hooliganism, grounds were terrible. You know, the Premier League money has improved the experience, and there's a drop off to that in other ways. But it's improved it, and there was always a meritocracy. Only in the last fifteen years has the Champions League gone. We've got it because of the power and success of the Premier League, the import of foreign players, all those things have made it an effect. I've said this before the global league kind of is that, um, you know, Europe has become a thing where the top four are now involved and making that more competitive. And the fact is you look at these clubs, as we said on Monday, they've mismanaged, they've mismanaged their whole footballing uh, business side of things the last decade. And Leicester would have freaked them out. Arsenal would have been freaked out by being 10th. Spurs would be eighth, you know, going, how are we going to pay for all this? What am I going to do with this big stadium? All these things has freaked them out and they've gone, money, uh, grab it, coup. You, well, you look at Arsenal and I look at Arsenal and Barcelona and they're like, you know when you're a kid and you're off to like do something with your mates and your mum's like, take your brother with you, take your little brother with you, go on, take him, take it. And you're like, oh, no, I don't want to, I don't want to. And you see Arsenal and Barcelona just coming up the rear and you're like, oh, for fuck's sake, tag along then, go on. Arsenal, come on, man. A, by the way, if you can hear a little chime, that's my washing machine. I don't know what the hell it's doing. But yeah. I- um, Arsenal, Barcelona are skin. Barcelona haven't got a pot to piss in, let alone anything. So we know why Barcelona did it. But Arsenal, I mean, I'm not one usually to side with Adrian Durham. He's a colleague. He's someone I see a lot and get on with him. But he's right about Arsenal. They're not an elite club anymore. They're fucking no. shambles, mate. Phone West Ham United. The Pawn Brothers would love to be in that, you know, European I mean, league. I mean, Arsenal, Kroenke, uh, as doesn't you can tell he doesn't really care about them because of what he's only started to care about them in the last couple of years because you realise he's losing money and they're becoming a problem because they're not in the top four and they're not competing. You know, Arsene Wenger was keeping them in the top four in the same way the Glazers, the last decade, have only spent any money when it's needed to get back into the top four. I mean, when you think about who these people are and their football mismanagement, you know, Ed Woodward signs off 650k a week on goalkeepers. These people are clueless about football. They're clueless. And they've had their asses handed to them. Brilliant. Hey, and he signs off 120 grand a week on fucking Phil Jones. Well, that, Phil well, Jones. I, I, funny enough, I was with my pal last week and I was just like sat then. You know you just sat then, you're like thinking, okay, has Phil Jones actually even played for us this season? And I, I actually took the time to go out on a Wikipedia and look on the little grid there. He hasn't played a game. Release the fucker. Religious. I mean, well, they, they, he, his oh. is that they that they could still get a five million pound fee for him and claim some of the contract money they gave him when he wasn't playing in the team, yada yada yada. But there's loads of things we all know that we discussed on this podcast for at least as long as I've been doing it the last five years or so about the mismanagement of Woodward. And of course, last night uh, in, in during the during the Chelsea Brighton game, the message came through that Ed Woodward was resigning. Ding dong. Aaron, that's the day we've been waiting for, right? On my life, on my life, I nearly crashed my car. On my life, I nearly crashed my car. So basically, I got an email about it, and I was like, bollocks, bollocks. <laughs> then my cousin texts me, and he's like, is it true? And I was like, I haven't got a clue. Then we got another email about it. I was like, oh, my God, it's actually true. I actually, 
yeah, we knew this was coming a few days ago. Woodward sold his house in Manchester and he's moved to London permanently. Like he's 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 out of the area. Yeah, there were rumours a few, few weeks ago that he'd be leaving in the summer. Yeah, this was, was always coming, and now it's been sped up. I think it's it's kind of a way of like a bit of a good PR move from the club, just to say, "Don't well, hate us, we're getting rid of him." Well, here's that was but that's, at the end of the season, but it's it is a bit of a PR move. Well, Dan, he's always been like um, Glazer's puppet, right? And Glazer's are really used. You can say there's an argument that Glazer's getting rid of him and announcing this now. He's the sacrificial lamb. Don't let's no mistake. United led this Super League thing. They were thoroughly at the forefront of making it happen. And Woodward would have made would have been that man to coordinate it, which is probably one of the reasons he should get sacked for the, how badly coordinated it's all been. But um, the Glazers haven't they just used Ed as a Ed Woodward? I'll use his full name um, as a scapegoat for these events. And when really they've not yet come out with an apology in their statement. And isn't this the most important thing? The time for United fans to keep the pressure on because this is our best chance of getting rid of them, right? Yeah, I mean, I look, I think it's, you know, it's kind of like, it, it, you know, he's, it, Ed's head on a stick is a, is kind of fun for us. But at the end of the day, they'll they'll get another, they'll get another yes man in and they'll get someone else in to do their bidding as long as they're still there. So the the most important thing is, as you say, is that the the pressure stays on them. I mean, the the the, the question is, is whether or not this kind of if, if you if you think about it, essentially, this is this has told them they can't do what they wanted to do. And I, and I'm not I don't know whether Woodward would have been, you know, necessarily behind it. He might not have thought it was a particularly clever idea, but obviously the Glazers would have told him that it's a good idea. Um, because I think he's 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 not stupid, Woodward. He's he's many things, but he's not he's not stupid when it comes to knowing. I think about that where Good the game is going. Yeah. Um, however, I know marketing, but he's clueless at football. The last eight years tell you that <laughs> clueless. Yeah, yeah, but I think he knows when there's a shitstorm brewing. But he know like, he know he knows. I think what he knows is he know he knows about the business of football. He might not know about football um, in terms of the the way to run a runner the run the club on the pitch i think he knows how to run it off the pitch he, you know you, that's kind of undeniable but um the the question is do now the glaze will the glazers now think well the we've hit the ceiling on how much we can our earning potential out of this thing and is it the time once the kind of pandemic's over and everything hopefully gets back to normal is it the time to cut and run um and get out of dodge um, well, that sounds like a very good time and things for us to discuss in the second half of the podcast. So um, join us after these messages when we'll find out what we think we should do to get the Glazers out. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean... And more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web 
coolercooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag coolerkingbike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back to the Manchester United podcast for this very special Super League edition with me, Chris Curley, Aaron Paul and Dan Riley. Dan was just talking about how we get the Glazers out. Aaron, how do we get the Glazers out? There was a famous song about that, wasn't there? And and my colleagues at Five Live <laughs> condemned it last year. The fact that United fans are singing about people going to die and stuff like that. We've been singing it for years. The fact of the matter is, is that, and I was quite involved with like the Green and Gold campaign in, in 2010. For every one of me that will sing the songs, fly the flags, you name it, there are five or ten tourists who will go, I'll take your place as a season ticket. Oh, don't worry about it. I'll take your place. And that is the fundamental issue we have. Is that why it fizzled out ten years ago? Of course, of course it is. Because at the end of the day, uh, fans are fickle. We're, they're not all like us. They're not all like us who stick by them, thick or thin. I mean, don't get me wrong. My loyalty was severely tested this week. And I'll tell you about that in a minute. Because I really want to know about your opinions on on how you felt this weekend. But the attitude was, yes, they're not spending on the team. There was a period of time where we were linked with Wesley Snyder and Ezekiel Garay and stuff like that around the 2010s. And it's like, we're not signing anyone. We're not signing midfielder. Bam, 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 bam. And that anti-Glazer movement went crazy. It really, really blew up. I remember every match day, there were green and gold banners. They were being taken off us. There were scarves twirling. It was great. It felt like a real sort of rebel alliance. But, as soon as we signed a player or two, David De Gea, Phil Jones, who was billed to be the next Duncan Edwards, we signed players, we spent money. That summer, the 2011 summer, spent a lot of money. And people forget, people are fickle. Glazers could not, they, they, they might not spend money uh, in one window, but then they'll realise, shit, we need to make a marquee signing. And it, it appeased the fans, and they did that. That plus, at the end of the day, again, for every one of me or you, there's five tourists that will take our place. How I look at this grand um, Super League thing is that the money we put in as fans, say your season ticket's 750 quid, mine's 780, yeah? 780 times two, 1,500 quid a year. When I go to Old Trafford, I don't buy a pint in there. I don't buy a pie in there. I don't buy anything from the mega store. My only cost is a match program, £3. And to be fair, if I got it posted, I think it works out cheaper. Yeah, so it could be cheaper. My cost is £3 times, call it 50 games a season, that's £150. On top of my £1,500, that's £1,650 a year. Now, my £1,650 a year is not worth it to them because my net spend should be more. They want people coming in, spamming the fuck out of the club shop. Well, I think you know, spending, 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 and they, they, they don't want, the regular fan. Let's be fair. If they the don't need to stand, we're all legacy fans, right? Absolutely. 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 So very, very, very quickly, there was talk about season ticket holders walking away, basically. Jacking your season ticket. The slight issue we've got is we jack in our season ticket, there's a queue of people down the road who'll have them, who'll have them, and they will sell the ground that two, three times over. You know, I had a caller on a show the other day, they called themselves a United fan. Honestly, I, I felt fucking sick. He turns around and he goes, oh, I only go for the big games. And I was like, you're a fucking idiot. You are the problem, mate. You are the problem. You know, it should be, the attitude should be Burton or Barcelona. It don't matter. You go and support us. Go and support the club. 
But these are the kind of fans that they want. And until the actual core, I don't like using the word hardcore, the core group mobilise again, the core group wake up again. And I think it's time for Duncan Drasdale and the supporters trust to fire their machine back mm. up again. Nothing I mean, happens. I, 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 agree, I agree with a lot of that. I think, you know, in 2010, around that period, we never had Ferguson on side. And it was also our best period on the pitch ever in terms of getting all to those Champions League finals. So all those, like, I'd say you've got the hardcore, but the next level, the regular season ticket holders, the, the to cause a really big fuss and a consistent, constant fuss and pain, were like, oh, is this really that bad? What could come next? You know, maybe that was one, as you said before, we were still buying players, we moved on. And then Ferguson obviously left. Ferguson coming out on Sunday was a big thing as well. Do you know where it all started, by the way? It all started when we replaced Ronaldo with flipping Overton. Yeah, well, that was... But then Ferguson bought into the... Well, Ferguson bought into the transfer policy. Brigade. He Ferguson bought into that and replaced him with Valencia, bought Ashley Young... You know, we'd sold him for 80 million and not Phil Jones. Well, no, that was pre Ashley Young. That was when we signed Valencia Overtown and flipping. I'd... Valencia came in the season. Valencia came in the season after Ronaldo left. So Ronaldo left that summer. We signed Valencia and, and Overtown. And Overtown. Michael Owen. And Michael uh, Owen. And then I think and Michael Owen, that's right. The Fred Dallow Grant version of that. Basically, of yeah. Basically, yeah. So, so as you say, about these fans. And that's where I'm torn about. Because I've fans, been... Oh, oh, wait. There you go. Fans. Fans or supporters? That's the key question. Well, that is true. But, you see, the talk about the stadium, right? And the fans and how... And, and who's there. They don't... They need a full ground to an extent, but they consider the fans as props. The fans are nothing I've bought as props. And as I said on Monday in the podcast, they've been bought off over the last 10 years with frozen ticket prices, promise of a singing section... Uh, promise of safe standing, they've been bought off. I think the events of the past 48 hours, though, are getting those, are going to mobilise those regular season ticket holders that can make it difficult in the ground, which is a visual spectacle both outside and in. And that's where I'm torn on whether it's to keep my season ticket or not, because then I can be inside the ground trying to do something about it. I don't know if I should. I'm not convinced I should. And give them nothing at all and kind of freeze them out with cash. I don't know what to do. I'll tell you something. Yeah, this is very quickly. Sunday was depressing. Sunday was depressing because I thought we played some really good football and I'm sat there watching it. And, yeah, my mum's come up to me and she's asked me the whole situation. And I said, I think that's it. I don't think... I will, I've always said, if United enter into a European Super League, I will walk away. It's franchise football. I'm anti-franchise football. CEO of a football league club, an EFL club, goes to me, you bring me your United season ticket and I'll give you a free season ticket to our club. The CEO of a club. And I'm sat there, I'm like, what the hell? And he goes, we'd rather have a fan like you that are back the club and yeah. spend money. Your money's worth, you know, we want your money. It's worth more here. Oh, I'd be off to York City with my nephews. I mean, that was the thing I was most upset about, that I wouldn't I wouldn't give them that Old Trafford experience. I was done with it on Sunday. Dan, what, Dan, Dan, what do we do? What do we do to get, to get guys out? Do we... Do we get keep our season tickets and protest inside the ground? What kind of pressure can we put on them to get rid of them? Because this they might go, as you said, this is the time to maybe cash out, or they'll see it through because they've seen it through before. I think. I think. I mean. I. I, I don't think it's. I, I. I think it's difficult. I mean. I. The only way you get rid of someone um, is by 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 you know starving them of what they need, starving of the oxygen, which is money. Um, I think that in a, 
in a weird way, the pandemic's going to going to help them um, because I think everyone's so desperate to get back to doing the things they they love, the the normality of going to a game that people will go. And and as we know, we've we've, we've discussed this before that being you know all being um, addicts, um, we are not the only ones that are addicts. And if we give up the if we uh, knock it on the head, then there's going to be someone else coming in. Um, like I say, I think it's just it's just whether or not I, I think if I'm being brutally honest, I think when the Glazers will go when they decide to glow to to go. Um, I, um, you know, the green and gold campaign um, never really kind of uh, got the you know got the traction, unfortunately, because people just couldn't give it up. Don't forget, though, social media wasn't as powerful as it was then. That's true. There was no Twitter. There was no Instagram. There was flipping Facebook. And that was you, your aunt, and your uncle. That's true. I just think there needs to be more done outside the ground before the game starts, after the game. Yesterday, I subscribed to Red News. Subscribe to Red News. It's 40 quid a season. Pay for people like Barney. Barney's such an important person to this club. Go and buy Red News. Go and spend money with um, with 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 the supporters trust. They've got their stall outside on some at Busby Way. Go and buy a scarf. Go and buy a pin badge. Help fund these good organisations. I'll be honest with you, mate. Apart from my season ticket, I don't spend a penny with the club. I will if I want to buy a shirt. I will wait until classic football shirts have them. <laughs> I'll wait because I don't want to put money in there hands if i have to pay for the ticket you know what i have to pay for the fucking ticket it is what it is but support red news support the fanzine support the indies who have the same ideologies as you who have the same backing as you and and i think this is the time we i think this is the time when we really need to all of football actually needs to continue not think of this as like a three-day fad is to mobilize get organized um talk to one another about what we can do to stop this thing from happening because it's not gonna it's, it's not gone away forever this thing stories always comes around this is probably the closest it's felt to something happening we've still got all the issues at uefa and governance the champions league format they're proposed in 2024 is not good you know these clubs were getting a massive big gilded bonus anyway through that system and we're greedy for more I think it'd be interesting what they do now. How does the Premier League clubs, the other 14, and the other UEFA clubs respond to them? I mean, on Monday, this is what's crazy. On Monday, the six sent, the 12 sent letters leaving the European Club Association. Today, they're sending applications back in. I mean, these people... It's funny how City have been welcomed back, like, you know, a a long-lost family member. I just think this hasn't gone away. We've got to keep the pressure on. We've got to find every way to mobilise and unite together so it's a coordinated plan. Because this uh, is our best chance, folks. This is our best chance in 16 years to get the Glazers out of Manchester United. I'm tickled by the image of uh, Ed Woodward chasing the postman to try and intercept his... uh, his letter that he sent to the uh, to the European to the European Club Association. Knowing Ed, he probably sent it second class. <laughs> He'll probably be able to get it exactly. <laughs> oh, it probably never got. It probably never got. Or there. or he didn't put enough postage on it in the first place. Definitely yeah, didn't put enough postage. It, it'll be sent it, back. I, it will be. I mean, look. Firstly, I, I I'm I'm for one. I said initially they should stick thirty point deductions on the Premier League either this season or next season uh, similar to how Luton Town were fucked by the EFO in 2009 
whack a 30-point deduction on them. And I'm saying United as well. I also said that all English clubs should be kicked out of Europe this season. Give our place to Granada. Give Liverpool's to uh, sorry. Give Cities to, to Dortmund and Chelsea's to whoever they played in, in the Champions League. Punish us, but they won't. And I'll tell you why they won't. Because UEFA can't bear the fact that West Ham and Leicester and Wolves will be in the Champions League next. Yeah, they'd, they'd hate that for years. Will be in the Europa League. It will cheapen their competition next well, that's year. Where- that's where it all. That's what they think where it all came from after Leicester won the league. Dan, uh, before we go, the players got involved yesterday. I mean, one of the things I did leave out of that timeline um, of what happened after Pep's press conference was that Marcus Rashford posted a tweet, and I said in our WhatsApp group, "Don't worry, lads, he's here. It'll be sorted within forty-eight hours." It wasn't forty-eight hours; it was eight hours. How do you think the players um, reacted online, and what would they have done to kind of put the pressure on the club? Uh, I think there were some very, very um, good responses, actually. Uh, uh, the sort of positive power of social media. I thought Luke Shaw, <laughs> who seems to have kind of... <laughs> I don't know what's happened to Luke Shaw. but his, Fatherhood, Dan. Fatherhood. I yeah. think it's fatherhood. Ah, there you go. He, his, 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 I thought his, his words were really good, really smart, measured. Um, Marcus, obviously, doesn't... A man of few words, really. Just, uh, just sort of like... A, tweeted the picture um let's Spam not underestimate wire. let's not underestimate the power of um chucky's headband i do believe we that talk I, about that I, I spoke about chucky's headband and i think it does have some mystical powers uh anyway but no i think i think the players were the players were were, were smart because let's not forget they're employees at the end of the day so you know they're kind of they they are you know they are under contract and they have to be careful because of you know contracts they have and you know they would be told by their agents to be measured and 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 I think they I think the the response was good um, as as Aaron has alluded to there he might be able to explain more um, yeah Harry Maguire my captain I've okay. always been a Harry Maguire fan Harry. I have too I've mainly defended him <clears throat> I, I I think by the way you talk about contracts and stuff like that. I, I disagree about the whole contract thing. You know, at the end of the day, if a football club was on fire, and guaranteed the only people that are getting paid are the players. Their contracts are the most watertight lockdown contracts you'll ever see totally. in your life. They couldn't give a shit if they speak, speak out. But the fact of the matter is they knew. They they know, fuck our contracts, the fans are what drive them on. They're going to get abused if they back this. So I think it was an element of self-preservation. Going back to Luke Shaw, you asked what's changed. Fatherhood, and I think he's been banned from like Uber Eats and Deliveroo as well. So good news on that front. But Harry Maguire, Harold Maguire, you've stepped up. You know what? We're proud of you, mate. We're proud of you. And shout out Ander Herrera, my sweet prince. I love you so much. I miss you every single day. I've never, I've never understood your love for Herrera. I lo- I'd love to. I mean, him and McSauce in midfield. Oh, I love him. Ole, oh, Ole, and Herrera. I love you, mate. And Lunch Lady Doris, of course. Marcus Rashford, you know, he's feeding kids and he, he's fighting against... When Marcus gets involved, whatever it is, it, it's over. It's just it's just over. He's on route for an NBA, mate. If the kid scores the hat trick, uh-huh. scores the winning goal in the Euros in the summer, uh, and I think he's people have underestimated him in that England side about how important he is with his pace and ability to do everything. I mean, what I mean, he ruined those burn that Burnley right back in the center up um, in the second right. half on Sunday. I think you know, I'm pr- I'm pleased the players did what they did. I think they were fortunate they had two days off, 
So, you know, they, and other teams were playing. So the focus was on them at the time. That was useful. Um, but I hope that they, I think a lot more of what they did is going to come out over the next couple of days, I think. And that'll be interesting to read and, and, and hear about and what Ollie would have said. Because what Ollie learned, what Ollie learned is that Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer gave Manchester United, it's one of his, arguably his greatest moment in the European competition, right? What yeah. Ollie learned that his bosses weren't prepared to tell him what's going on about in the about competition. They don't think they should be in. What Ollie learned was that they, what Ollie learned was the incredible, if you didn't know now, if you didn't know now what the owners think of Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer, he definitely does. Because they treat him with contempt and disrespect. And, and I think Absolutely. we're all should be Ollie in on Ollie's side. Because while Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer is still in that job, regardless of what's going on, on that pitch, the values and the culture of Manchester United that we hold, all hold dear will be in play. I was, say, I was saying to my pal yesterday, the most depressing thing about it is we're actually playing really good football at the moment. That's the really, it has to be what, you know, it sort of ends on a high, if you like. Shout out Gary Neville. Gary Neville, you know what? Like, he was, never the, he was never the most fashionable. He was never someone, everyone sort of saw him as that ratty, yappy little bastard. He was like a little Jack Russell. But you know what? Shout out to him. And I never, ever, ever want to say this again. Shout out Jordan Henderson and the Scousers because they did their bit as well. And you know what? Jordan Henderson for calling all the captains together and saying, guys, we've got to sort this shit out. Henderson's been brilliant this morning posting about what they need to do now is, is um, get on with the racism issue. And that's absolutely, absolutely. what we should put our attention on. I think um, Gary and Jamie were fantastic on Monday Night Football. Not only was it great telly, but it mobilised the nation that on Monday night. It mobilised all the fans because we know Gary and Jamie, if they weren't playing and being club legends, they'd be on the terraces with us. And we know that. And it comes across and they've still got the heart of what it means to be a football supporter in their every thought. And now we can concentrate on the football because tonight City are away at Aston Villa. And you never know. Wouldn't be left. We might, you know, if they get beat tonight, we might have a title race to talk about next week. Well, we were in the same position I mean, what was it? Was it 2011? They they sort of overtook us in this in, in this position where there was 2012 games to go, six six games to go, eight points of difference. The Aguero season. It, it could happen. It could happen. I'm know? not I'm not ruling it out because I felt like the season was over on Sunday night, and now I now feel okay with something to play for. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron, Dan, I think um, what a good chat to get it all out of our system. The events of the last 48 hours. Thanks for joining us on an emergency pod. I'll leave us by saying that, um, you know, I think the Glazers are going to hang on to this and their ownership of Manchester United, like Kate Winslet does, a plank of wood in the tight, in the Atlantic Ocean. So we need to keep the pressure on. Find your ways, talk to your mates, coordinate it. Do what Aaron says and get hold of, of those, um, go to Red News and Barney and fund those organisations. That's what we have to do. We have never had a better chance. I said it before, I'll say it again to get the Glazers out. That's what we have to do. Don't buy in the fucking club shop. No one needs a United pencil case or dressing gown or some crap. It will all be on sale in classic football shirt. The good shit will go to classic football shirt. Support an indie like them instead. Full disclosure, I do own a dressing gown, which was a gift. Uh, (laughs) I (laughs) That's Nancy behaviour, that. No, it's nice. I'll wear it next time for you. Which, You'll which, 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 when, which, when, which, when are not fastened properly results in another kind of full disclosure. Well, if you're lucky, lads, if you're lucky, when this goes to video, uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Remember one thing.
before we go, come on, you Reds. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at unitedredcast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.